All right. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. We are continuing in our series in Luke, and let's call upon the name of the Lord, ask Him for His help, direction as we look at His Word. God, we this morning are so grateful for the way in which You continue to speak to us through Your Holy Spirit. God, we thank You for the opportunity to hear prophetically the things that You are You are speaking to us. And now we look forward with anticipation to the way that you're going to speak to us through your Holy Scripture. And so, Lord, we come before you with anticipation. And God, we ask that you would help us to understand and give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your word is speaking to your people. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your kindness that you've spoken to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we, we ask God for us to be, be willing and able to receive from you and from your word. So change our lives and our hearts and that we would glorify Jesus Christ in all of our lives and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I had in my heart just an opportunity as we're going to get to some things later on in my message that are really important for us as a church. As I begin to think about some of the things that's transpired in my life this week, for me, this whole element of the kingdom of God has become very important to me. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God being the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, not only in our lives, but in our in our families, in our churches. And so we're going to look at what does this mean for us as a church? What does this mean for us individually? As we talk about the kingdom of God, the the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in our lives. I want to just first start with just an element of the kingdom of God that you don't have to turn there, but This is out of Genesis. And so from the very beginning, we see Almighty God at work on the earth, speaking, directing, moving, influencing. And so here we have Almighty God speaking to Abraham. This is Genesis 12, 1 and 3. And now the Lord said to Abram, go from the country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so here we see from the very beginning God calling Abraham out, saying, I've got a plan and purpose for your life, and this is to be a blessing. But not just a blessing in terms of the people around you, but all the families and all the nations on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we, we, we skip forward a few chapters in the Bible, and we, we move ahead into the New Testament. We see that this is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
We read in Habakkuk 2.14 that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So again, God's saying, look, I've got, a, I've got a plan. And it's not just some local plan, although the plans are local at times. He says, this is worldwide. I've got a plan and purpose that is, is, cannot be contained in one small area. This is advancing across the earth. This is my name and my glory and my renown being spread across the face of the earth and across the peoples and the tribes and the nations and the villages, so much so that it cannot be contained. It says, that's the nature of my kingdom. It is an uncontainable, unstoppable kingdom that advances across the earth. Now let's look at Luke 4, because here we see Jesus now on the other side of this promise, really giving the full revelation to people of what this means. So we read about this passage two weeks ago, but I feel like there's more for us still here to dig into. I really feel like we could probably stay here for the next couple of months, but we're going to stay here for two weeks, so... Let's look at what Jesus says in in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. And if you remember, Jesus stands up in the synagogue. He's in his hometown of Nazareth. And he he gets the scroll of the Word of God out of the book of Isaiah. He opens it up, and he begins to speak this to the people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So here we have Jesus Christ saying, guys, look, there's a proclamation that goes forth that's, gonna, that's going to identify my ministry and the things that Almighty God has called me to do. And that is this proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. This good news that we've, we've sang about this morning, that we've talked about this morning, this good news that Jesus Christ himself came, part of the Trinity, Almighty God, fully man, fully God, together in one, laid his life down for our sins, for my sins, We need a Savior because each one of us has sinned against an almighty God. And we can't do enough good works to please or to make up for or to atone for that sin. We can't attend church enough, read enough, give enough, go to enough missions trips to somehow make it right with God for our sin. He said there's one way, and it's through my son Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the Passover lamb sacrificed for us in our place. Jesus Christ stood in our place condemned for our sin. And that is how we, by faith, receive this good news. We say, that was for me. Jesus, that good news was for my sin. You have saved and redeemed me, and there is no other way. There is no other way for us to be made right with God. It is only because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. 
in his death and his subsequent resurrection from the dead. He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the grave. He's in heaven, ruling and reigning in majesty and glory and power. And he's filling and directing and moving upon the earth today. And so we see Jesus giving the, the scope of his ministry. I'm here to proclaim this. And really, the rest of, the, of chapter 4 goes on to really show what exactly he just said here. So if you read down, we're not going to read there, but he begins to, to cast out demons, to heal people, to preach in the synagogues. This very thing is, is exactly what we see Jesus Christ doing in the subsequent verses of this, of this passage. But it doesn't end here. Because the scope of his ministry continues on. And how does he do that? So after his death and resurrection, how does his ministry continue on? Well, turn with me to Acts 1. Acts being the second volume of a work that the evangelist Luke wrote. So Luke wrote the book named after himself, Luke and Acts. It's kind of a a two-volume work together. And so we look in verses 6 through 8, and this is what Jesus says to his disciples. So when the Lord had, they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So here they are, they're thinking Jesus Christ has died, he gave his life for the sins of the world, he's, he's, he's gone to the grave, he's risen, he's, he's, he's come back to instruct his disciples for 40 days, and here we have Jesus speaking with his disciples right before he he's, gets taken up into heaven. And the disciples are asking, is this the time that you're going to restore the, the nation of Israel? And Jesus is like, okay, you're missing it. This is bigger than Israel. If you think this is just about Israel being restored, you've missed what I've been saying. And so you can almost hear Jesus in his, in his, his loving voice correcting his disciples saying, and he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So here here Jesus is really following up what He says here in Luke 4 with what He says in Acts 1. He's saying, look, the ministry that the Holy Spirit has anointed me to do upon the earth is not going to be carried out by you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in power. Just like He's come upon me in power, He's going to come upon you in power. And the very thing that I was sent to do, I am now sending you to do. This is your call, each one of us. As God's disciples are called to fulfill this ministry. He wasn't only speaking to the disciples and it stays with the disciples. He's speaking to all people in this and saying, look, this is the ministry that I have for you, for your families and for your churches. This is the ministry I'm calling you to. We have this ministry given to us by God, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we continue on. You don't have to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, the Apostle Paul writes, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. He's talking about the ministry that God has entrusted him with to 
to, to plant churches and to care for people. He says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. He's saying, look, I'm nothing, but only God who gives the growth. And guys, any, any kingdom growth that we see in our lives or in our churches or in our families, it is because of Almighty God. It is not because we are so great and so good and so thoughtful and so powerful. It is none of those things. The Apostle Paul is making it perfectly clear to us. Look, this kingdom growth, this kingdom expansion is not because of us, although we have a part to play in this, all the glory goes back to God because any glory we see is because of God, because of Almighty God's power, His enabling, His bringing to life people's hearts and responding. Paul in Colossians 1, 3 through 7, he says, look, the gospel is bearing fruit in your church just as it is all over the world. And so this good news of Jesus Christ that we proclaim week after week after week here in our church was the gospel that the Apostle Paul was proclaiming in, in the churches that he was planning. He's saying, guys, look, this is bearing fruit. This kingdom reality of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, this reality is bearing fruit in your midst as it is across the world. So I love this because it, it pulls us out. We can get so, we can get so tunnel vision sometimes with the things that God's called us to do and we just get... We get sucked in and we get pushed, our head gets pushed down and we forget about this, this worldwide phenomenon, this worldwide power of, of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is bearing fruit as we speak right now. It is bearing fruit across the world. And so we say, yes, God, thank you that we can be a part of this. We get to be a part of this. Now, that being said, the nature of the kingdom is this. It is growing, it is expanding, it is increasing, it is bearing fruit, and it is all by the power of Almighty God because of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on the cross. God gets the glory. We will never be able to stand before Almighty God and say, God, look at what I have done. Look at my great deeds. Look at how good I am. We will stand before Almighty God and say, God, I am a sinner saved by grace because of your love that you've lavished upon me because of Jesus Christ. That is what we do. So, what does this mean for us as a church? What does this mean for us as a church? Because of this kingdom reality, this is why we do missions. This is why missions are important to us. Rashini and Courtney just went on a missions trip with with people from Living Word and Crosspoint, went down to South America to proclaim the gospel to, to then 35, I think 3,500 students heard the message of Jesus Christ. People responded. The church was blessed. We do missions not because we thought up missions as a good idea for ourselves, but because of this mandate that God has given us, because of this reality of the expansion and growth of the kingdom not being localized, but being worldwide. So we, we do missions because of this. This is also why we plant churches. This is why we had any hope to plant a church, Mercy Hill. This is why we did this. Because of this, these reasons. 
because God is growing and expanding and his kingdom is, is increasing across the earth, that is why we had any hope at all to plant a church. That's why we're here. That's why we hope one day to continue to plant churches. Guys, I hope one day we come here and we have to send a half of you out to plant another church. It'll be painful and it's going to be a great loss at times, but what a joy. What a joy for us to be at a place to say, look, we're going to plant out again. The kingdom of God is growing. It can't be contained here. The building's too small. Let's continue to send people out. I hope one day we do that over and over and over again. Not one time. That's not our one-time goal. This is what we feel like God's called us to do as his body. And this is why we reach out to our communities. We see at the end of this passage in Luke 4, Jesus going to a desolate place after he's, he's, he's prayed and he's cast demons out and he's healed people. They come and find Jesus in a desolate place where he's, he's praying, probably, or resting, or whatever he's doing here, seeking the Lord. And the people say, hey, don't leave us. Come stay with us. And here's what Jesus says in verse 43. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And so here Jesus is saying, guys, look, man, this is good news for you, and the gospel will bear good news in your midst, will bear fruit in your midst, but guys, there's other places for me to go. You have needs, but there's needs across all places that I must respond to. This is why I was sent here, okay? So, what does this mean for us individually? That's what it means for us as a church. But what does that mean for me? What does this mean for our family? This is why we labor and do the hard work of planting churches. Guys, this is hard work. There's people that have left our church and have said to me, it's too hard. It would be easier, it's easier for us to go to a different church that's already established so I don't have to do the hard work of planning. Look, I get that. I'm not saying you... That's, that's sinful in that response. But there's a, there's a hard work of planting churches. Some of you sitting here today have been doing children's ministry, seems like week in and week out for two years now, or a year and a half. That's hard. That's hard work. Brett and Joe doing the sound in the back week in and week out and setting up, taking down. Last week, me and Brett took some stuff down, and we brought it back to the other building. And I'm like, man, Brett's been doing this. And Joe, too, has been doing this like every week. Everyone leaves. Brett comes up, packs a bunch of stuff down, loads in his van, goes to the other building, unloads it, sets it back up for the, for the youth group to meet tonight. Every single week. That's a lot of work. It'd be easier for Brett to go to a church where they have some team of people who just does that, and he can just kind of sit back and relax. But he continues to press on and serve. It's hard work. But we do it because we believe this gospel is bearing fruit. And it's worth the work. It is worth the work. This is why we go on missions. This is why we support missions. This is why when Courtney and Rashini say, hey, we want to do this mission trip, we say, amen. Absolutely. We send our blessing. Man, this is, a, this is a thing that God is doing in our midst, and we amen that. 
This is important to us. And this is why we reach out to our neighbors and friends and family. This is why we do these things. Because we believe this gospel cannot be contained with just the few people here. And if you think about it, the only reason that you're here today because someone loved you enough to tell you about Jesus Christ. You're not here because you figured out this whole God thing. Someone along the line had enough love and courage, concern for you to tell you about Jesus. Now, it may have been someone on TV or some preacher at a church, but it may have been a friend. It may have been a friend who just said, let me tell you about Jesus. Loved you enough to do that for you. So we're all here because of this reality of the kingdom of God, its expansion. Okay, let me give you a little perspective on this, okay? I want to just reinforce what I'm saying by, by pulling back about 30,000 feet to get a bird's eye view of this, okay? The number of people who are being presented the plan of salvation every day is now at least 260,000 people every day. The gospel is being presented to a quarter of a million people are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Every day now, the average number added to the body of Christ worldwide is 174,000 people. Every single day, the body of Christ, those who respond to this gospel message with faith, believing in Jesus Christ, is 174,000 people. On top of that, 3,500 new churches are opening every week worldwide. We sit around and say, wow, it's great that we got a chance to plant a couple of churches out of Living Word and Cross Point. What a blessing. This is good. But every week worldwide, there's 3,500 churches planted across the world. That is amazing. Breaking that down a little bit more, every hour, 7,250 people put their faith in Christ. That's about 250 people every two minutes. So even as I told you this stat, 250 people have come to Christ with their faith in Him. By the time we finish, there'll be thousands more. So I'm speaking for a long time today. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's for another 45 minutes or so. All right. I think I'm kidding. All right. Um, so there's times when God gives His body and His church a missions field, right? So God gives us a missions field, and we felt like when we planted, God clearly spoke to us and said, this missions field is this northwest Indiana area, but we would be centered here in Highland. And so we planted a church here in Highland. God opened doors for us to, to meet in a, in a building on Indianapolis Boulevard, where we have our offices still to this day, where the Echo college ministry meets, where the high school ministry meets, and it's a blessing. And so we, we give thanks for that. But I believe at times that God does expand our vision and our call as a church. So sometimes God says, your missions field is right here on the spot. Your missions field, by the way, is really is your neighborhood for sure, but then your town and the people that you live around, that's absolutely your mission's field, your mission's field. Now us as a church, we want a big mission's field, but we can only handle so much with so many people. So we want to be faithful stewards of what God has given us. 
So how do we know when God is, is expanding our calling as a church to expand the missions field that God's given us? How do we know this? At what point do we say, okay, God, you're expanding something in us. There's something growing that cannot be contained any longer to the confines of what you've given us to do. There's a couple ways that we know this. There's more than this, but I just broke it down in a few things. Number one is through open doors. So God may open a door for us to minister in different places. God may say, look, this is great, but you know what? There's a great opportunity for you. However, open doors do not mean that that must be a missions or a ministry opportunity. I get called to um, speak at chapels at Ileana and Highland Christian and um, Calvary Academy, and there's other places that call me to, to do chapels. And I try to do as many as I can. But there are times when these are great opportunities to share the gospel with a, with a bunch of kids who, if they don't listen, they get yelled at, right? And so it's great. So I can just sit there and speak, and teachers are over there making sure they're listening, and Julie Ballantyne's over there at Calvary, you know, putting her finger on kids' heads and shaking them and stuff. Not the young kids, obviously, but older kids. So that's okay. But it gives open doors. But it doesn't mean I have to do those things. Just because there an open door comes, it's because a missions trip opens up doesn't mean we, we should go. But what that does mean is that we, we come and seek the Lord and say, God, there's an open door. What would you have me to do here? The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians talked about a door being open to him for ministry. He says, look, the door was open to me, but Titus wasn't with me. So therefore, I went and found Titus. Just because the Apostle Paul had a door open to him for ministry didn't mean he had to go through it. Neither does it mean that for us. But what it does mean is we seek the Lord. Number two, how do we know? We pray. We ask for direction and we ask for clarity. We ask for direction and clarity from God. God, are you expanding our missions field? God, what are you doing here? And really the challenge for us is this, that God's fulfillment of that calling doesn't always look the way that we think it should or that we expected it to. Okay, remember this passage. Now, we, we talked about this two weeks ago. So if you, didn't, if you weren't here two weeks ago, I'm sorry. This is a phenomenal passage. You need to go back and, and look at this and get the message. But if you remember in this passage, the people in the synagogue were expecting something of the Messiah, right? They expect the Messiah to look a certain way, have a certain amount of credentials, be from a certain kind of family, have a certain amount of, of power and authority, probably more politically than anything else, militarily. But the fulfillment of the prophecy caught everyone off guard. Jesus says, guys, look, the fulfillment of this passage in Isaiah that we read, guess what? That's me. I'm the fulfillment of the prophecy. I'm the long-awaited Messiah. This passage of Scripture that you've been reading for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, I'm it. I'm the one. And guess what? These people did not know what to do. As a matter of fact, they got so furious, they went to throw him off a cliff. They were going to murder him on the spot. said, no, that's not what we expected. We've been reading this passage, and you're not it. We don't think this could work this way. And so immediately, the people rise up, go to throw him off the cliff, and at the end of the passage, Jesus calmly and coolly walks right through the middle of everyone and walks away. 
but it wasn't what they expected. That is why we need to come before Almighty God at times and seasons in our lives with open hands, say, God, would you please do as you see fit in my life? Not only that, but there's also prophetic direction. Think about the Macedonian call in Acts 16. The Apostle Paul is trying to get into different places. The doors keep closing. And finally, he has a dream, and there's a man from Macedonia saying, hey, come this way. We're opening a door for you for the gospel here in Macedonia. Almighty God breaks in, and he speaks, and he directs his people. God does that at times. Not only that, but we also believe in godly counsel. Look, if you're going to make a major life decision, it is good to seek counsel, godly counsel. It is good for you to call other brothers and sisters around you who know God, who love you, that can say, let's weigh this out together. We need our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. That, that's, a good, that's not just good for our church, guys. That is a good verse for your life. As you begin to think about the decisions that you've made and how sometimes the decisions you've made have been stupid decisions. I've made stupid decisions. If I would have had a brother or sister come along and say, what are you thinking? Do you really think that's a good idea? I may have not made that stupid decision. But that is, that is God's counsel to us. College students, man, getting people around you say, hey, look, I'm thinking about a career Think about moving here. I'm thinking about buying this house. I'm thinking about marrying this person. All these things. Would you please pray with me? Counsel me on these things. It is so important for you. The decisions that you are making in your life right now will affect you for the rest of your life. So it is important for you to have that kind of godly counsel around you. Okay. That being said, I know I'm running low on time. I'm going to tell you what my week looked like. And so before I tell you what I'm about to tell you, I want you to keep these things in mind. Okay, I want you to keep in mind the way in which we pursue and seek the Lord for the, for the decisions that we make in our lives. That at every turn in the road of our life, we come before Almighty God. Say, God, I'm going to seek counsel. I'm going to pray. I'm going to look for open doors. I'm going I'm to seek people to pray with me. This is so important. This week for me has not turned out the way I expected this week to turn out. So on Tuesday afternoon, I have a lunch meeting with Larry Barker. Um, of course, I pick up the tab again. That's okay. And so me and Larry go out for lunch. It's a nice time. And uh, before me and Larry go out for lunch, I get a phone call from Dave Van Dyke, who owns Precision Construction, who owns the buildings that are uh, South Campus is in, who, is, who he, he has generously allowed us to meet there for just at a reduced rate of like 10% of what we should be paying, we're paying. It's, it's really phenomenal at the way he has given to us and have, has blessed us and cared for us. So get a call, says, guess what? There's a church for sale. And this church is a, sounds like a pretty good deal. You want to go take a walkthrough? I'm like, okay, but church is in Munster, okay? Some of you guys are from Munster. We, we're okay with Munster people. 
we can tolerate you being in our midst. That's okay. We're glad that you're here. Um, you're welcome. So, I'm just kidding about that. Um, so, the church is in Munster. So, me and Dave and Larry went over to the church and took a little walkthrough of it. Now, we left the, we left the church and we said, I called Dave back and said, Dave, guess what? Not going to work. I don't think so. This is just, it, it's, it's in Munster. We feel God's called us here to, 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 to labor in the field of Highland. On top of that, the bid for the, the offers are due for this church by 1 o'clock the next day. So even if we were to say, hey, we want this church in Munster, we'd have to somehow get bank approval for the, for the cost of the loan within a matter of you know, hours and get some kind of written submission in terms of an offer on it. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we don't, we don't make decisions that fast. We don't do any of these things as fast. This is not how we, this is not how we do church, right? If we're going to buy a church, we're probably going to sit around and pray about it for the next couple of years, <laughs> let alone in the next 24 hours make a, buy a church, you know? So we said, no way. Later that night, just be encouraged by other brothers. Okay, let's take another walk through in the morning. We'll bring a couple more people with us. So Todd Pals came, John Leitzel came, Tim Pals came, Dave and I came, my dad came, Ryan Heath came by, and we took a walk through the building. We left, we're kind of like, I'm just not sure. There's an offer due in like three hours. We don't have anything from a bank. We don't have any, we don't have any written paper. We have nothing. And there's an offer due in three hours. By the way, there's, to top it off, there's three other um, churches or maybe four offering on the same building. So we'd have to you know, offer enough and all that kind of stuff. So we went through a second walkthrough. And by about 11.30, we said, okay, what if we put an offer with a contingency for us to, it's called a kick out, to, to kick out in 30 days. But that at least opens the door for us to pray and seek the Lord for the next 30 days. So we don't just shut the door permanently, but we can say, look, we're not sure, but we do want more time to pray. And so there's a building in Munster that is on an acre of land. It's, it's right behind Tillis Furniture and Pizza Hut that uh, it seats, we could probably seat up to about 300 people in a sanctuary. And all just in a purely business aspect of it, it's, it's, in, it's a phenomenal deal. This building comes fully furnished, Everything, sound system, pianos, tables, chairs, everything's in there. Put an offer on it, and they accepted the offer. So right now as we speak, there's, we have an offer on a building in Munster that we're not sure if this is the Lord opening a door for us or if this is just a really good deal that some church is going to snag up and really be blessed by. And so we're, we're sitting here. The building itself, we offered 285 on it. So for $285,000, there's a, there's a building in Munster on an acre of land with a parking lot right by Ridge Road and Cayman Avenue that is full of church stuff. The, the church is leaving everything behind. There's diapers in the nursery. There's toys. There's um, sound equipment, microphones. Everything's in, the, everything's in the church still, and it's clean. It's not like they beat it up or anything on their way out. They really they kept this place nice. However, we need to respond with prayer. 
Although what got us in the door to pray about, to even start thinking about the church was this price and the location and the potential to really do ministry from this place was got us in it was a phenomenal deal. And the fact that they accepted our offer and the fact that we got financing from the bank and all these things in a matter of like a few hours is unbelievable. But that's not what keeps us at the church. We don't make decisions based upon good deals. Like, oh, it's a good deal, we're going to go do it. All these things that I said, we seek counsel, we wait on God, we ask God to speak to us prophetically, we ask God to do all these things. And so those things are real. It is a good deal. As a matter of fact, the president of the bank that we're going to possibly get financing through drove past the building and said, this is a really good deal. This is great for you guys. And so this is where we're at. This is real. This is how my week went. I spent about the next 75 hours of my life from that Wednesday afternoon till Friday at like 4 o'clock on the phone, talking, making sure this is gonna, how this is going to work. And I don't, so that, that's how my week went. But I feel like for us, the question for us is not, can we snatch up a good deal? The question for us, God, is what are you calling us to? God, what are you calling us to? And this is a turn in the road for us. Because like anything else, we come before Almighty God with our open hands and say, God, we are only stewards of your church. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is God's church. This belongs to God. This is his body, his people, his purposes that we seek to follow. And so with this building, we come before God with open hands and say, God, expand, contract, change whatever you have for us. We will say, yes, Lord. I think the temptation for, for me at the beginning of the week was if you would have asked me on Sunday, would, would you go to China if God called you to go? Yes. Would you go on missions? Yes. Would you, would, you, would you lay your life down for Jesus? Yes. Would you move the church to Munster? No. <laughs> no. That's not you. That's Satan. <laughs> Satan's, get, Satan's provided this deal for us. There's no way. And so that, that's where I was. And so... Whether we stay here or we move to Munster, we come before God with open hands and say, Lord, direct us as you see fit. This is your church, okay? We're going to pray and close, but I just want to remind us of a couple things. Pam, Jamie's, and Elizabeth's words to us today, okay? There is a new se- Pam said there's a new season here. God is doing something new in us. I believe that. Whether we move to Munster or not, I believe God is doing something in us. God is shaping us. God is directing us in a way that is new, that there will be fruit, that God, God is in this thing. Like I said, whether or not we move or not, God is yet doing something. And so we come before God and say, God, whatever that is, we want to say yes, Lord. Jamie, Jamie said, God, read from Jeremiah 29, 11, God does have plans for his people, but we don't assume to know what that means. Or assume because God said something to his people two years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, it doesn't mean he's saying the exact same thing right now. Now it may, but it may not. Just like God, when he spoke these words to the Israelites in captivity, it meant something specific for them. In the same way for us, we say, God, You may have spoken these words to us, but again, we come before you with open hands. 
God, what are you speaking to us today? Are you changing that call or is it still the same? Elizabeth, God does not want us out just doing our own thing, but he wants us to be with him in what he is doing. It's not as if God is in heaven looking down upon his church and we're just kind of out there doing some stuff. He's like, good church, we like you, good job, just keep going. It's that this almighty God is saying, look, I am doing something and I want you to be with me in the doing. I want you to join with me in what I am doing. It's not that we go do something and say, God, please come with and do what we're doing. It's that we watch to see where God is at work and we join into what he is doing. And so whether we stay or whether we move, it is what we are asking God, what are you doing? And then lastly, I just want to say this. We sometimes think about the church and we call this, our, this is Mercy Hill, this is our church. This is just, this place is just a building. This is definitely, this is definitely not a church, okay? If anyone's going to mistake a building for a church, no one would make, mistake this place for a church, right? But the people of God are the church. This, for us, is what, what the Puritans would call the meeting house. So whether we have the meeting house here or we move to Munster and have the meeting house in Munster, the church is the people of God, not a building. God's purposes cannot be contained in a building. God's purposes are across the faces of the people of his, that he has called to himself across the world. And so we, we acknowledge that, God, this is, just, this is just a meeting house. But if this is where you have us to have our meeting house, we say, yes, Lord. If that is where you have us to have our meeting house, we want to say, yes, Lord. And so we're going we're gonna to end this meeting with prayer and communion, but I'd like just to have uh, my dad and Todd Pals and Tim and Brian come up. And I'd ask you all to please stand. Like I said, this is serious business. I am asking you as the church to be praying about these decisions. Like I said, we've got, we've got three and a half weeks at this point to make a decision about what we're going to do. And so these are real decisions. And I, I am asking you to be praying, calling upon God to say, God, what would you have for us as your people? And really praying, Lord, give the leadership of this church wisdom to know what you are doing and where you are calling us. And whether we stay or we go, that God would, would be doing and he is doing something new. God, help us to jump into that and be a part of that. So let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you and praise you for the work that you are doing among us, Lord. How you are growing and reaching out, Lord. How you, your kingdom is bearing fruit in our midst, Lord. Lord, we want to continue to be a part of what you are doing, Lord. We thank you for this open door, Lord, for this church building that has come our way, Lord, for a great deal, Lord, but we want to be a part of what you are doing, Lord. And if that is not a part of what you are doing, we don't want to go. But if that is a part of what you are doing, Lord, we want to go wholeheartedly, Lord, joyfully, Lord, to do what you have for us, Lord. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, give us your wisdom, Lord, your direction, Lord, and what we should do, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you would um, give us unity, Lord. Because, Father, we know that um, uh, movement is good, Lord, providing that we're in step with each other and in tune with your spirit, Lord. So we just ask for a, 
for a unity that comes from you, that starts with you, and it goes in and through us, Lord, no matter how long it might take us to realize that or, or accept it, Lord. So, Father, whatever you're speaking, Lord, we pray that you just would speak clearly to our hearts. And, Lord, in the council that John spoke about, Lord, in our personal prayer time, in doors opening and closing, Lord, we ask that that would be a thread that runs through all that, Lord. Father, we thank you that you're a God of clarity. Father, that you speak very clearly. You don't speak in innuendos or in some foggy thing that yeah. your voice is there, but we can't, don't understand it, we don't get it. Yeah. But, Father, you speak very clearly to our hearts, yeah. and we are thankful for that. And, Father, I ask in this situation, Father, that we would have ears to hear yeah. what you are saying and then be quick to obey, not try to logically think things through and Use good reason, Father, but say, if that's what you're saying, God, then say, yes, God, be quick to obey what you're saying, Father. And, Father, we just want to proclaim that we are a people that are saying yes to you in faith and in joy. So, Father, we do not want to, in any way, we do not want to be a people that, is, that, uh, that are forcing your hand, God. Uh, who can force your hand? Uh, no one, Lord. And, Lord, we also do not want to be a people who have our feet planted uh, and saying, this is where we are, this is where we stand, this is where we'll stay. Lord, we want to be a people who will say, we'll go where you go, we'll stay where you stay, Lord. You go ahead of us, and we will follow you. So, we, Lord, we proclaim that our joy is not in uh, concrete walls, Lord, but our joy is in you. So, Lord, we will follow you, and we're asking that, that you show us clearly and prophetically, Lord, through your people, where you want us to go and where you want us to stay. Because, Lord, our joy is in you. So we want to be with you. We'll say yes to you. Staying here longer, Lord, we will do that. We want you to know that it is about serving you. It is about worshiping you. And it is about being blessed by being part of your family. So, Lord, we say yes to you. Make clear to us, Lord, your will in this. Yes, Lord, and we... We thank you that your kingdom is ever-growing and expanding. Thank you that your gospel is bearing fruit. Even as we, we talk together this, this morning, thousands and tens of thousands of people have come into your kingdom. And God, we thank you that we can be a part of that. You would invite us to join with you. And so, Lord, we give thanks. And God, we ask that we would not be ones who would just sit back and watch the action and watch the fighting in the front line. Oh, God, that we would grab our weapon and run to the front. Lord, let us be the people who respond in faith, whatever or wherever you are calling us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you cannot be contained, like Tim said, in four walls. Lord Jesus, that you break out of the walls every time. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you as a church we commit ourselves to you as families. Commit ourselves to you as individuals. Lord, do with us as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.